I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 141 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have a very special guest joining me for today's podcast. United States Army combat veteran Shiloh Harris will be here with me in just a minute. I had the honor of speaking with Shiloh the other day, and I am releasing the interview today because February 19th marks his Alive Day. Twelve years ago on this day, he was severely wounded when an IED exploded under his vehicle and almost cost him his life. He made a miraculous recovery. His story is unbelievable, and he is now a motivational speaker and is inspiring people all over the world with his story. So please stick around for the interview. Tomorrow on the podcast, I will have another combat veteran, this time representing the United States Marine Corps, John Tig Teagan, who was one of the survivors of the Benghazi attack. We all remember back on September 11th, 2012, when the Benghazi outpost was attacked by Islamic militants. So that one's going to be an exciting one as well. You don't want to miss that. Lock it into First Class Fatherhood. And speaking about veterans, one guy whose company is always helping out our veterans is First Class Father George Fox. He is a former guest on the podcast here, and he is the owner of NFW Watch Company. He is always raising money to help out our veterans. His watches are first class, which is why Navy SEALs like Ray Cash Care and Craig Sawyer only choose to wear NFW watches. You have got to go online and check out his collection, especially the Valor collection. Go to nfwonline.com, and when you get there, use my promo code FATHER and First Class as fatherhood listeners are going to save 15% off your entire order. You're going to get free shipping inside the United States and $50 of every order is going to go towards Honor Flight, which is helping our World War II veterans. So get over to nfwonline.com and use the promo code FATHER. All right, yesterday was President's Day. My kids were off from school. My wife was working, so I had a chance to take the kids over to the diner. All of us were able to eat breakfast. It was really an awesome experience to get a chance to spend the time with them. Whatever you did with your kids yesterday, if you had the day off, I hope you enjoyed it. The next big break for the kids is going to come around Easter for spring break. We haven't had much in the way of snow here, not any days off for it. Uh, But we still got about another month to go here in the Northeast, so we'll see what that brings. I would like to say hello and thank you to all my listeners over on iHeartRadio. I have been up on iHeartRadio now for a little bit more than a month, and quite a number of you guys have been reaching out to me saying that you love the opportunity to listen to the podcast over there. That's your preferred spot to listen. Uh, We are growing and expanding here at a rapid rate. We should be up on Pandora soon, so if that's a spot where you guys would rather be listening, uh, stay tuned for that upcoming announcement. But the sky is the limit here, and if you get a chance, please drop a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast podcast here. Let's keep the celebration of fatherhood going strong. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I will be right back to jump into the action with U.S. combat veteran Shiloh Harris. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a United States Army combat veteran who was seriously wounded when an IED exploded under his vehicle on February 19th, 2007. 
He is an author, a motivational speaker, and an inspiration to so many people around the world. It is a tremendous honor for me to say Shiloh Harris. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Man, thank you so very much, Alex. I'm so proud to be on the show. Okay, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Okay, so we've got a blended family right now, you know, because I'm about to remarry. As a matter of fact, uh, we're getting married on live television. Uh, do you know David Tutera? Yes, sir, I do. Yeah, he's the celebrity wedding planner, and he does a lot of stuff on Lifetime, uh, but I, I know that he has, he's got his own line of just about anything wedding. So anyway, we got to meet him. He is absolutely amazing. Well, they, he and his team wanted to provide my fiancé and I with a celebrity-style wedding, but the only catch was is that they wanted us to do it on live television. So everything's a big surprise, and it's all alive. So, you know, there's not much room for error. <laughs> but uh, we're super excited. Uh, so, yeah, my fiancé and I, we're about to get married. How many kids we have? We have seven altogether. She brought two into this relationship, and I have five children of my own. Wow, yeah, very cool. I'm actually from a mixed family myself. I'm number seven. I have three brothers and three sisters, so I know a little bit about the mix there. Well, great. So you're familiar with the dynamic. You should be getting some pointers from you with the seven kids because I'm still new at it. <laughs> All right. What type of uh, sports or activities are the kids into? Okay. So my daughter, I have one daughter out of my five, uh, two, including Jamie's uh, side of it. And uh, my daughter, she's into just about anything sports. She's really into track and field. And she absolutely loves basketball. But me, as her father and her observer and one of her biggest fans, I think she is probably one of the best volleyball players I've seen. But she's just not that into it for some reason. Uh, my youngest son, uh, which I'm talking about my school-age children right now, that he told me for the first time, okay, Dad, I want to play. And I didn't know what he meant because I was like, well, which sport? And he said, I want to play football. And I was like, well, okay, let's, let's sign you up, buddy, because he hadn't really shown a lot of interest in sports. I said, he didn't really care for basketball, and he's not really a competitive kind of guy. He keeps telling He's nine years old, and for the last three years, he's been telling me he wants to be an engineer because he wants to build things. So he's, he's all about, like, you know, going out there and fixing and building and, and uh, working with tools and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, my three older sons, uh, two of them were working in the oil field. Uh, they work with family members out in the oil field and got a pretty good job and taking pretty good care of themselves. And then uh, my oldest son, he works uh, in Coleman, Texas. He works for the city out there and takes care of his family and uh, takes care of things out there as best he can. Uh, we got we got a plethora of these uh, kids doing good things out there. And uh, I guess you could say on the other side of it, too, for my fiancé's kids, uh, one of them is a service rep for uh, a dealership. She does very well. Uh, she's uh, one of the most sought-after uh, uh, shop managers in that area, and she's had multiple offers uh, that she's turned down because she likes where she's at. And, and then uh, Jamie's oldest son, he is a graduate from uh, UT Austin, and uh, he... I don't fully understand what he does because it's uh, all computer stuff, and I'm I'm just not that guy. Uh, but he he does a lot of 
like map building and that sort of thing, really technical engineering kind of stuff, but I think it's on the electronic side of the engineering. So. Yeah, very cool. What a wide variety of activities and careers. That's awesome. Uh, please do me a favor here, Shiloh. Just hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Absolutely. I'm really glad you asked because, uh, as you know, I'm really glad to be on the show. But more importantly, you know, I'm really glad to be able to do what I do uh, because, uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about kids and being fathers. I think it's so important to leave a legacy for your family. And, you know, I, I was in the military uh, for right at eight years. Uh, about midway to five, six years into the military, I got injured by a roadside bomb on my second deployment. And when I say injured, I mean, it almost took my life. The bomb was estimated to be about 700 pounds of explosives buried in the road, and it literally shredded our Humvee. It killed three of my very good friends, and it injured me and my driver severely. I spent right at three years in recovery, and the initial recovery, I spent 48 days in a coma and went through multiple surgeries throughout that 48 days. Now, when I say it's a miracle that I'm here, I absolutely mean it. And I guess that when you experience something like that, it really puts your life in perspective, and it makes you start thinking about those things like, how are my children going to remember me? Are they going to remember me as the soldier? Are they going to remember me as the guy that's in this hospital bed? What am I going to do after this hospital bed? So eventually I became a motivational speaker. I've been speaking pretty much as soon as I was able to walk out of the hospital. I was actually doing it in the hospital, but more as just an educational piece. And then uh, it led into one thing after another and then after another. I wrote a book, and now we're working on a movie, and I'm still doing the motivational speaking. Yeah, awesome, Shiloh. It's an incredibly inspiring story. I've read and seen some of the pieces about your life story, and you were a father while you were serving, correct? Absolutely, and I have to say that was probably one of the hardest parts of being in the military is, you know, having to leave your family behind while you go and and serve in a a whole other country, you know, and not knowing if you're going to come home or what kind of condition you're going to come home in. Uh, I absolutely loved the military, though. It was one of the best experiences of my life, uh, all up until the point of being injured. Uh, but, you know, I still don't have any regrets. And putting on that uniform was, I think it was everything that I had aspired to be growing up. And when I was finally able to serve, I kept praying that my children would see what it meant to me So it would mean something to them. So they didn't think that my job was uh, in place of them or, or, you know, my job was more of a priority as them. But I can tell you this. My family was very supportive. You know, my children, uh, they were all very understanding. Uh, Yes, it was hurtful sometimes to see me leave and not know when I was coming home. But they did a great job of supporting me then and now. That's good stuff, Shiloh. And it's one of the many reasons why I so highly respect and honor the men and women of our military because, you know, for one, we wouldn't even stand a chance out here if it wasn't for you guys. Um, And I can't even imagine being away from my... Listen, I hate to be away from my kids overnight from my job. I can't even imagine what it's like to go halfway across the world and have your life on the line every day. So before I forget to say it, uh, thank you for your service. Now, how did your injuries and the whole experience of what happened to you, what type of effect did that have on your children? 
We have, and I say we a lot because I, I, this is a family. You know, whatever it is that we do, we're we're a family. Um, we have spent a lot of time in counseling. We've spent a lot of time talking about things and and hopefully clearing the air. Early on in my recovery, I realized that I wasn't communicating enough with my children. You know, they come to see me in the hospital. I was in ICU, and then when I was uh, uh, moved to the step-down ward, uh, they were able to come see me in the visiting area, but not able to come back into the hospital. And I'd go into surgery, things would change. I'd come back and see me, and they wouldn't know why, how, what. And it was very frustrating for them. One day, my daughter, she was about four years old, five years old at the time, uh, I finally I looked at her and I asked her, I said, do you understand what they're saying? Because the doctors and the nurses were explaining something that we were going to do in front of the kids uh, because uh, we had other family members there that wanted to know. And anyway, I, I just happened to look at my daughter and she just had this kind of coy look on her face like, I think I understand, but I don't know for sure. And I asked her, I said, do you understand what they're saying? And she said, I think they're going to take your arm off. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So it was really that moment that I realized I needed to communicate with the kids more so they had better understanding of the process so it didn't scare them so much. So when this, I mean, it was a roller coaster, three years of surgeries. And even now, here we are, we're coming up on February 19th, which is my anniversary for me being blown up, which we call an alive day. Twelve years later, there are still things that we're working on together as a family. There's still pain. There's still surgeries. To date, I've had about 80 surgeries. When I retired out of the military in 2010, I left the military with about 60 surgeries. You know, but I was was like, I'm just going to do with what I can because I'm done. I was so exhausted with the surgeries and riding the roller coaster. And here we are, 80 surgeries later. So it did. It had an effect on my children. So I try to be an attentive parent, but I don't want to be one of those parents that hovers over my children and uh, cripples them in the long run. So it's like I've got to find that balance, you know, help the kids or enable the kids. And so it's like, uh, that's something my fiance has been really good about is helping me find that balance. If she thinks I'm being too soft or too hard, uh, she's like, I think you're overcompensating here, Shallow. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, okay, let's talk it out, you know? <laughs> so it's been a really good balance. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've come a long way in 12 years. Very cool. All right, time for a quick word from our sponsors and then right back with more with Shiloh Harris. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. NFW Watches. First Class Fatherhood has proudly partnered with NFW Watch Company, and now you could take advantage with this exclusive offer. NFW Watch Company was founded on making badass watches that help people, mostly veterans. Get over to nfwonline.com, and listeners can save 15% off their entire order, plus get free domestic shipping by entering the promo code FATHER at the checkout. NFW Watches, made by a badass with a big heart nfwonline.com and use the promo code FATHER. SeatGeek. 
Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code First Class. That's one word, First Class. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code First Class to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Cool. All right. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know you've had some experience with PTSD and so many of our veterans are returning home with it. What advice do you have for parents out there whose son or daughter is just home from war and they suspect PTSD, but their son or daughter is denying it and saying that they don't have it? So the first thing that I would recommend to any parents out there that uh, may have a service member coming back, coming back, whether it be a, uh, a child of their own or a family member that they're close to, if you suspect that they have uh, PTSD, or combat stress is really what the first stage of it is that develops into post-traumatic stress and then post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I'm not a doctor by any means, but this is my opinion from my personal experiences, is educate yourself on what the symptoms really look like. Because if the, if, you're, if this individual, the service member has come back with war injuries and not really know that they're injured, whether it be from concussion uh, which can lead to traumatic brain injury or TBI, uh, which some of the roadside bombs and the explosions that some of this, our military is exposed to cause their brain to basically rattle around in their skull so much that it causes a cognitive disability. And it, it's very similar to PTSD symptoms. Now, PTSD, you know, obviously there's uh, a lot of people know some of the obvious signs, which are, you know, being nervous in public, uh, you know, not being able to stand in crowds for very long, nervous sweats, uh, these sort of things, this sort of thing. But educate yourself, and so that way you can help keep an eye on the individual. Because from the minute we join the military, we're taught not to be the weak, weak link. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, try to watch for these symptoms of them being nervous and cagey. Uh, because they may not realize that they're doing it, uh, because, you know, they're, they don't want to be the weak link even after the military. And a lot of service members are reluctant to get help because they don't want to be labeled as somebody that's disabled. And then sometimes they just may not want to face their disabilities in the long run. So it's very important to realize that, you know, PTSD is real and there's different uh, levels of severity and they affect just about everybody in a different way as far as that severity and how they deal with it, how they uh, can manage their stress levels and that sort of thing. If they're drinking a bunch, illegal drugs, even abuse of over-the-counter medication or prescription medication are huge signs that they're having a hard time coping. The VA has a hotline, and I know that the VA has been under a lot of pressure and it's been in, the, uh, in a bad light, uh, again, this is my perspective and my understanding. The VAs are, and I say VAs because they're broke up into cells, essentially. You know, I've come across some great areas uh, that the most of the veterans there are satisfied, uh, but you have to encourage the veteran to go in there and tell them exactly what they feel like they need or exactly what is going on in their life. So many, again, so many veterans don't want to admit that they have a disability. 
sick as all get out, but would not tell the doctors exactly what was wrong with him. And I finally asked him one day, I said, why do you do that? You said that you were just dying sick and you told me everything that was going on in your life and how you said you needed the doctor to help you. I said, but you only told him, you know, like these two things out of 10 things that were bothering you. And he said, oh, well, they should just know how to fix me. And I was like, well, how are they supposed to know if you don't tell them? And he said, oh, they've been doing this long enough. They should know by now. And if if you start with these, then they should just know the rest of it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So you have to go in there and give these medical professionals everything that they need so they can help you in every way that you need help. Uh, That has been a very common uh, dynamic with a lot of the veterans that I've communicated with and visited with since I became a motivational speaker and been out there advocating. So it's very important that these family members encourage their children, their family members, whatever it is, uh, you know, whoever that person is in their life, to speak clearly to the medical professionals. Uh, If they don't want to get medical help, there's a hotline through the VA that they can call that they can say, hey, I think that we have, uh, you know, my, my child or my family member is having a hard time. And then somebody from the VA can call and check in on that individual and just open the door. Sometimes that's all it takes is just opening the door and let that individual know, hey, we're here for you. So be patient, be understanding. But at the same time, I'm not one of those kind of guys. I went through my recovery. It was hard. You know, I have scars from head to toe. I've lost my ears, three of my fingers. I have a chipped vertebrae. And I had to take ownership of my disabilities. I couldn't let somebody else do it for me. And I couldn't just sit over there and whine and say, why don't somebody do this for me and poor pitiful me? I literally had to have a boot in my butt. My dad came in and was like, you're going to get your ass up and you're going to go out here and you're going to get better and you're going to be the best that you can be for yourself and for your family. Well said. Wow, man, that's awesome. And it is very alarming to see the suicide rate amongst the military veterans. I mean, I can only imagine how difficult it must be to be at war serving with your brothers and your teammates and and, and some of them dying in the process and then having to come home and readjust the civilian life. I mean, I can't even begin to understand what any of that is like. And that's why I love to bring uh, guys like yourself on here to kind of talk about it and, and speak about it a little bit. I just pray that something can be done to kind of bring those numbers down because they are very, very alarming. Right. I agree. And uh, again, I know that the VA has been under a lot of fire, uh, you know, but it's a, it, it takes time to fix a broken system. You know, as, chi- as times change, you know, the VA has got to change as well. Well, that takes time. It can't happen overnight. Now, the sad part is, is yes, who pays the price? It's the patients. It's the veterans. It's the individuals trying to get in there and get care. And as they're building you know, these new programs and trying to hire more people that are able to handle PTSD cases and and, uh, certain severities uh, that are coming back from this generation of veterans, you know, it's it's an extreme uphill challenge for the veterans and the VA. Now, something else I wanted to say, too, about the VA is, you know, for the most part, you know, some people kind of personify the VA as big bad wolf, you know, the people that just don't care about anybody. Well, when I go to the VA, what I see is a lot of people that have probably served in the military themselves, yet they're bound by 
you know, the limitations of what they have access to right then and there. So, you know, it takes a, a great deal of patience and understanding on the veterans' part, not them taking up for the VA, but again, you know, it's, it's not like they're the bad guys. It's just bad circumstances. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am always reading about the VA and veterans. Uh, listen, veterans should be given the top priority with the best health care that we have available in this country, hands down. But I understand that there's many variables in place that are involved with all that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your book, Shiloh. When did the book come out? Where can my listeners find it? And what other kind of projects are you working on at the moment? Okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. So my book came out in 2014. Uh, it's called Steel Will. I think it's still on Amazon. Now, since it came out in 2014, you know, it's not exactly on every bookshelf out there, uh, you know, like uh, Barnes & Noble. It was for quite a while, and we did pretty well in the beginning. Uh, but we, I would highly recommend that uh, people, if they're interested in getting a book, I would absolutely love to sign a book for them, and I can send them a book. Then go to my website at uh, com, and they can buy a book there. We have challenge coins and you know, I kind of coined this American Badass thing, so there's shirts there. Uh, so we're trying to make it, you know, a, a, a family thing, and uh, but yet, you know, military as well. Uh, but I would absolutely love to sign a book for everybody. Yeah, so we're working on a movie. Uh, I'm working with a great guy over here in Austin, an amazing director, uh, Tyler Russell. Uh, he loved my story. Uh, he and I hit it off. And uh, it went from, hey, let's do something together to, you know what, let's make a movie. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I love his vision. I think it's going to be an amazing adventure. And uh, I think we're going to save a lot of lives and change a lot of lives by the, by the film. So we just now finished up the script. We're still in the early stages. We're hoping to be shooting by the end of this year. And uh, I don't know the movie business that well, but I'm learning. Uh, I figure we'll probably have a, a film out in the next couple of years. Awesome. Will you be playing yourself in the movie, or are you bringing in an actor for the role? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. So I think, you know, we're going to do, like, you know, my story from when I grew up and that sort of thing. So I think we're going to have a couple of shallows by age, uh, a teenage shallow, and then we're going to have a little older shallow, you know, from my military service. And then uh, we'll probably pay, play myself with the burn injuries and everything that I went through, uh, you know, within that, that time frame of me being injured. Very cool. I will be including a link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can just tap the link, get over there, grab a copy of your book, find out more about you. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Shiloh, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Oh, my gosh, there's so much. <laughs> there is so much. Uh, I guess for that new father, for any father, I was in Los Angeles, and I was walking from one thing to another, and there was these people out there with clipboards and doing a survey, and they asked me, what do you think children need most in their life? And they had all these different little checks, you know, like where you can check this, check that. And I'm sure, they, you know, a lot of it was like clothing, food, this, that, and the other. And uh, anyway, I said, I don't see mine on here. And he said, well, what is it that you think is that kids need most? And I said, a mom and a dad. And he said, 
he said, well, I'm, I mean, other than that, he's like, what do you think kids need most? And I said, more importantly, a mother and a father. If that's possible in their life and in their dynamic, they need a mother and a father. Because if they have good parents, then all of this other stuff should be provided for them. I believe that kids need a mother and they need a father. Very well said. I, I love the message. This has truly been an honor for me. Shiloh Harris, I got to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Oh, man, thank you, Alec. I'm so proud I was on the show. And God bless you. Good luck in everything that you do, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm going to be right back here in a second to wrap things up. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Shiloh Harris for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Hit me on Facebook. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast. I always love to read your feedback. And then locking in for tomorrow's episode, I got John Tig Teagan, the former United States Marine, the guy who was involved in the attack in Benghazi, that whole disaster that went down. He is a first-class father, and he will be here with me on tomorrow's podcast, so don't miss out. Thursday, actor Dean McDermott stops by, and then Friday, a fresh Frogman Friday episode with Ryan Bates. Uh, That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.